Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. I'm so thankful for the love of God. Anybody else thankful for the love of God? Aren't you thankful that it not only purchased you, but it pursued you, ran you down? And I'm so thankful for that tonight. And maybe it is that you've not yet been found by him. And he's hot on your trail. You know, I thought about today, somebody has the capacity tonight. You may have come in this room or you're listening out there somewhere because somebody in here shared the, 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 the service. And God is on your heels. He's hot on your heels. And the reason he's on your heels is not to damage you, but it's to set you free and to love you, to give you purpose and hope and forgive your sin. And so I hope tonight that somebody would slow down, stop running, and be found by him. Uh, tonight. All right, so if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to join me in the book of 2 Peter. Can you imagine that? 2 Peter chapter 1. And somebody says, does that, does that mean we're going to go through? I don't know yet. I'm still, you guys know that I'm, I do what I call a listening lifestyle. And what I mean by that is I just pray and listen for God to speak. And if he doesn't speak, I, don't, I try not to do things just to do them. Does that make sense to you? And uh, so I just try and listen, and so far, all he's told me is that we're going to do this passage tonight, and we'll see what happens as I continue. You pray with me on that, that God would direct and speak and make it crystal clear. Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at the introduction, verses 1, uh, and on down through verse number, you ready? All the way through verse number 4. That's a long one, isn't it? Because y'all, are, I could tell you're tired when you came in, and you know, four verses probably won't take us 10 minutes or so, and so we'll see what happens. Is that all right with y'all? Some of y'all are smiling. Some of y'all are like, I'm not smiling. I don't, I don't care what you say. I'm tired. Listen, I want to tell you really honest to goodness, I'm thankful that you're here. You, you could have just went on to the house and, uh, you know, started your activities and gotten ready, getting toward bed. And I want to say thank you for making the oppor- taking the effort and taking the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, so 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. And I want to ask, did you get a copy of our, uh, our outline tonight? Did you get a copy of that? Everybody get a copy of that? Yes, no, maybe? If you did not, would you raise your hand? We'll make sure they'll come around and give you one. Wow, looks like most everybody has one, just a few in the back. Anybody does not have one, hold your hand up. They'll come around and make sure you have one. Uh, I'm so thankful for our greeters those who are greeting people when they come in and encouraging them and putting one of those in your hand uh, with a smile. Hopefully, they gave you a smile as you came in. And uh, tonight, we're going to dive right into this thing, beginning in verse number one, okay? Any others? Hold your hand up. Wow, that was fast. Thank you all for being willing to hand those out again uh, tonight. Second Peter chapter one. Uh, we know who the author is, and we know a little bit about him, right, from our study in First Peter. And if you were to teach this, if tonight I was to ask you before you've even gotten into Second Peter, what could you tell me about the author? You might would say there was a time in his life when he was very afraid, like many of us. Wouldn't you agree with me that the, probably the number one reason we don't share Jesus more than we do is because of fear? Would you agree with that statement tonight? And so we can identify with Peter, right? The only, the only problem, the only struggle that I have with that in making identification with Peter in that is that Peter, his fear, he had the reason to be fearful And that was the reason of not having the Holy Ghost of God. I love that. Everybody's like, whoa, okay, you just just thought about something, didn't you? Uh, You and I have the advantage or the promise of the Father or the Helper uh, called the Holy Spirit. Those of us who have been born again. So we, we shouldn't have that fear that holds us back, okay? But then when he had the Holy Spirit, when he received the Holy Spirit, when he saw the resurrected Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, he became bold as a lion. And he began to preach and teach that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, man's only hope to be right with God was through Jesus Christ the Son. That was the message of his life. And did you know that history and tradition tell us he died because of it? He died because of it. So he was a martyr, one who died for his faith. Let's look now in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Remember, I've told you a little bit about this uh, recently. If you were at Tuesday morning prayer breakfast and in our staff, uh, staff meeting on Tuesday, I teach from my desk at our staff meeting. Y'all ought to come. And that's open. If you're ever around, come stop in. We spent about an hour in the Scriptures, and I teach from, from what I'm going to usually preach on, on Wednesday night. And so we, we talked about the fact that in 1 Peter, he dealt with the dangerous, the dangerous threat on the outside of the church. Remember, he's talking about how it's dog-eat Christian. They were all mad and upset, and, and they blamed the Christians, and so they were really attacking the Christians and threatening the Christians. But now, this uh, book is more, the theme of this book has to do more with 
uh, them living uh, a life that shows they have a faith, but also uh, the, the threat from within the church of false teachers, okay? And so uh, you can just have that in your mind in case we move forward, but it'll help you tonight as well, all right? So with any, without any further introduction, uh, let me invite you to stand on your weary feet in honor of reading God's Word. Or I got a smile from somebody that time. Uh, first, Second Peter chapter 2, excuse me, I mean, these numbers are killing me. Today I wrote 1 Peter 12 times, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 and on down through verse 4. Everybody ready? All right, let's begin. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us, help me somebody, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. All right, let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? God, we thank you for getting us here. We thank you, Lord, for the, uh, getting the word to us here. Lord, we pause and we think about the years that you've preserved the word, thousands of years. And we, we pause to think about the men and, and women that you used over time to get it into the language uh, that we speak, the current version of English that we speak. And God, we stop and we give you high praise for putting in our hands your very breath. Now, as we study your breath, your word, the power of your word tonight, would you help me with all my frailty and inadequacies, God? And Lord, tonight, would you put on display again that you really can use anybody? And Father, as you make that clear by the preaching of your word, by a less than ordinary guy, would you also preach to me? Because Lord, I, like everybody in this room, we, we really are desperate for a word from you. So please show us that desperation, but also speak into our hearts as a father to his children. And Father, I pray you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Take your word and your spirit and do whatever you will tonight, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. And by the way, you look around the room now. Here we are a little bit into the service. Look at how many people showed up. And those who came a little later, thank you uh, for, for not, you know what you could have said? You could have said, well, I'm going to miss the praise time, and you could have went on to the house. Um, but you didn't. You chose to come on, and so thank you for being here tonight, all right? Let's go back and rewind to the beginning. The title of our message is, We Shall Not Want. We Shall Not Want. Uh, would you agree with me? And, and want and desire, wouldn't you agree with those about the same thing? Wanting something and desiring something. Now, my question for you is, and you've heard me talk about this a lot, uh, wouldn't you agree with me that the power of want or desire is very strong? Why, why, do you, why have you ever done the things that you have done? Because you wanted to. It's the power that'll wake an 11th grade student up at 5 a.m. on a Monday if you're going somewhere they want to go. Uh, it's the, it, y- y'all know what I'm talking about, the same 11th grader that you have to set off an atomic bomb to get them out on an average day where they're just going to school. Anybody tracking with me? I'm telling you, want to is powerful. It, it's, it's the craziest thing. I, I have gone before into the kitchen, and Anna Grace be up, uh, uh, you know, getting something to eat. I'm like, what, what are you doing up? And, and I, I remember, wait a minute, she's doing something today she really, really wants to do. And that, that want to had the power to set an alarm in her head, in her body, and wake her up and get her out of the bed and going. Whereas Tina spends a lot of time, uh, I'll get an amen there, getting her out of bed when it's not a want to thing. Want to is powerful. You ever done something you didn't want to do? Let me ask you this. You ever found yourself uh, with something you knew you weren't supposed to do, but you really wanted to do it? And that is a, can we just be honest with each other? That's a painful moment. It's a painful moment. It's a painful hour. It's the reason that we struggle with uh, overeating and, and, and the things that we do that we do in excess and things that we do that dishonor God. Uh, there's a want to in us, and it drives us. And, and I always say this. Here's what I've learned also about. Here's another thing about the power of want to. What you want to do, you will do. And so someone told me, well, I just really don't read the Word of God. It says because you don't want to. And they said, no, what do you mean? That's sort of mean. That's it's not mean. If you wanted to, you'd do it. And uh, I said, it's just the simplest way to look at it. What you want to do, you and I, we will find a way to do it. All right? So let's dive in. The power of want to. The title of the message is, We Shall Not Want. When you hear that phrase, is there any place in the Scripture that comes to your mind? Psalm 23, verse number 
One, come on somebody, one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you study the original Hebrew language there, you find out what he's saying there specifically. If you break it down a little more uh, verbally, it is, I shall not lack any good necessary thing. Uh, why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He's, he's, he's all that I need. Now, we're going to dive into that tonight, okay? Look back with me in verse number 2. I'm going to talk about verse 1 and then lead into verse number 2. And in your outline there, Roman number 1, I want you to write grace and peace. That's, that's what you're going to fill in the blanks with. Grace and peace are multiplied in the knowledge of God and Jesus. Grace and peace are multiplied in the knowledge of God and Jesus. That's kind of wordy, but you'll understand it, I believe, as we go along, okay? So what are multiplied? Somebody help me. Grace and peace. Grace and peace are what? Multiplied. And they're multiplied in the knowledge of God and Jesus. And when we say God and Jesus here, we're speaking about the Father and the Son, right? Okay. So keep that in your mind, and we're going to look at verse number one and then go into verse number two. Simon Peter, a bondservant. The word that he picks here, the Holy Ghost inspires him to write down, is the word in the Greek doulos, which means a free will slave. It means somebody who has taken the title deed of their life, their agenda, their plans, their resources, their time, their talent, and they have, if you could picture in your mind's eye, you and Jesus sitting at a table together, and you have the title deed of your life. And in that title deed, it is your time. It's all there. And it is your resources. It's, it's everything that you are. It's everything that you'll ever do. It's your plans. It's your goals. It's your dreams. And, the, and, and this title deed, this doulos, this free will slave, is to take that uh, title deed and to slide it over to Jesus and say, here, it's all yours. It all belongs to you. My plans, my agenda, uh, whether I'm going to be married or not married, how many children I'm going to have, where I'm going to live, what I do for a living, uh, how I go about doing my living. All of that, Lord Jesus, how I spend my time, what I will do, what I won't do. All of that, Jesus, is turned Now, that sounds a lot different, doesn't it, than pray this prayer after me. Anybody still out there? Y'all looking at me weird tonight. Uh, and, so, and so it's a little different presentation that, hey, if you want to go to heaven, repeat this prayer after me. Uh, it looks a little different than to confess or, or to agree that Jesus is Lord above all things. And so this bond servant, uh, you're above all things, Jesus. Here are my plans, my dreams, my agenda, my life, my time, my talent, my treasure, my home. Everything that is mine now belongs to you, and I trust you because you're good and gracious and kind. And you've already proven who you are, and so here it is. So, so he identifies himself as a free will slave. See, some people are, 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 are captured into slavery. Some people are like sold into slavery. But this type of a slave, this type of, this word that he used in this particular day and time and culture was someone who free will gave their title deed over to somebody. Does that make sense to you? Can I give me a little head nod? I can move on. Yes, okay, so let me move on. So he identifies himself then as an apostle, one who was chosen by the Lord Jesus, who saw Jesus, who spent time with Jesus, chosen by Jesus to bring about this gospel and good news to those who have obtained like precious faith. So he's writing to believers or unbelievers. Come on now, we've got to be a little faster than that. We'll be here all night. Uh, and the kids are out there playing in the water, so they're not in a rush. All right, the little ones. And so uh, y'all got to stay with me and be quick on your toes. All right, so he obtained this precious faith. Who, and listen to how he says it with us, by the righteousness that comes by our good deeds and our works. No, no, not at all. Um, this righteousness of our God and our, here's the word, key word here, Savior, meaning that he provided the righteousness for us, all right? Now, verse 2, there's a whole lot in that very first verse, all right, identifying who he is. And by the way, in, uh, in classical Greek writing, you'll find that a person, when they wrote a letter, they would, all, they would always identify the credentials of the one who's writing the letter, right? In other words, you want to know who's writing something to you before you pay attention to what they say. Let me ask you a question. Do you assign more weight to what some people say as opposed to others? Yes, uh, because you've seen something, you've identified who they are, and that's what he's doing here. He's telling them, now, before I give you instruction, let me, let me remind you who I am, okay, and who I represent. Verse number two, grace and peace. Now, let me just pause here and talk about those two words, grace and peace, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, in your notes there, you'll see number one and number two. So he's saying he, his desire is for something to be multiplied in their life. Why? Because there, there's something that you and I need, and we don't just need it at salvation. We need it all the time. And what it is is twofold in this particular passage, and that is number one, grace. We need, don't we need grace more than just the day we get saved? Yes. Did, did, let me ask you something. Did you need the grace of God today? Yes. Did you need the grace of God to get you here tonight? Yes. Have you dealt with somebody here? That, no, no, no. Let me, don't, let me, I'm not going to go there. 
Somebody you've already dealt with in here, you had to have grace for them. Because they went to work today, too, and they had a hard day, too, and they said something to you, looked at you funny, or didn't say hey to you, or something hurt your little feelings, and you had to show them grace. Remember, grace is not grace unless it's undeserved. You can't show a stranger grace. They have to do something wrong to you. You, you can't show uh, uh, your neighbor grace unless they've wronged you. Is anybody tracking with me? We misunderstand kindness, and we call kindness grace, and that is not grace. Grace is when someone has done something against us, and then we give them what they don't deserve. All right? So just clarifying that number one in your notes there, we need grace. What is grace? Very, very simply put, getting what one does not deserve. Uh, unmerited favor. I've heard that definition a lot. Uh, I've shared this with you guys so many times over the years, you're probably sick of hearing it, but it was Mark Twain, I believe, who said, if heaven was based on merit, doing the right thing, okay, your dog would get in and you would not. Let's think about it. Unconditional love, right? Who, who unconditionally loves you better than your dog? I saw this one time. Who loves you more unconditionally, your wife or your dog? Try this. Put them both in your trunk, go a mile down the road, let them both out. Huh? And so you began to see what I'm talking about. Grace, grace is unmerited favor. And by the way, aren't you thankful that salvation is by grace? I'm so thankful that, that God graciously gave his son. We didn't deserve him, but God gave him to us and gave him for us. And so what a wonderful God. So we need grace. So, so what, what Peter's saying to them, I'm, here's what I'm, 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 I'm hoping, I'm speaking to you that I want to see multiplied in your life. First of all, grace. We need grace at the moment of salvation. We need grace when we wake up, grace at noon, damn. Gra How many of you know they need grace when you get in your vehicle in the morning? Hallelujah. Grace is the answer for road rage. Did you know that? Uh-oh. Some of y'all looking like, how do you know what happened this morning? Uh, I wasn't behind you, okay, um, but somebody was with you, all right, and uh, grace, so, so we need grace. Second thing I want you to see is that he wanted them to know they needed peace, and, and so what is peace? This particular peace, is, it deals with the peace that comes with knowing God, and, and so we would have to direct, directly relate this again to Jesus, right, through the death on the cross and the resurrection, I now, in Jesus, have peace with God. Now, do you know this? Do you know that we're not born at peace with God? Did you know that? You said, but not my baby. It's the cutest little baby. They're like little angels, you know. No, no, they're not. You give them a little time to let them start talking and find out uh, what's in their heart, right? And, and I heard a, theolo a theological statement before that said this, every baby is born with his back turned towards God. And that's absolutely true. Rebellion. I want to do my own thing. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do, and I want to do my own thing. And so we find that this peace with God comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who made peace. Did you know that Christ was a peace offering? That Christ made, you know, the Scripture says it this way, Christ made peace. There's another place in the New Testament that says it this way, Christ himself is our peace with God. How about that? And so he atoned and covered our sin, those of us who have been born again, and because of what Jesus did and what, we've, what we have surrendered to him, we now have peace with God. We're not at enmity with God anymore. We're at peace with God. And listen to me. It doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. If you have peace with God, you have everything. You have everything. And having peace with God, listen, ought to then provide internal peace even when you're facing turmoil. Do you see that in your notes there? So if I have peace with God, when life is unraveling, when chaos is ensuing, when stuff is going on and I'm facing hardship and I'm seeing what's going on in the world and I'm watching things happen in my family and with my, in, my, in my faith family and, and all around the world, I'm not, my peace is still satisfied and settled because it's, listen, it's not in the outcome of my circumstances. I wish you would write that somewhere. If you and I could ask the Holy Spirit to help us with that, that our peace is not contingent upon the outcome of what we're praying for. Is anybody with me? We oftentimes are praying, God, will you do this? Will you do this? And, and the thing that we're asking is usually a noble thing, usually an honorable thing. We're asking God to deliver somebody or set somebody free or sober up our whatever. And in those moments, we, we, we say, and if you will, then I'll, have, then I'll have peace. No, no, no. You already have peace with God. And that peace with God ought to settle your heart when the storm around you is raging. And remember the backdrop of First, Tim, of first Peter. Uh, it's the storm around us and the calm heart in the midst of it that reveals to the world that Jesus is who he says he is. So uh, peace with God. So we, we need grace, getting what we, what we don't deserve every moment of every hour. And we need peace uh, with God that provides for us 
internal peace in the turmoil, all right? And then you remember this kind of peace that's spoken of in John 14 and 27. Do you see that there in your notes? Jesus said, it's, it's going to be on the overhead here. And so I want you to see, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Uh, y'all help me. He said, my peace. My peace is not like the world's peace. He said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be, don't, no matter what's going on around you. I've made peace with the Father for you. You're no longer at odds with God. You don't owe God anything. I paid the full price. That's what Jesus is saying. So you don't have to be unsettled by what happens because no matter what happens, you are in Jesus, a child of God. Your sins have been forgiven. And no matter how painful the day is or the years are, one of these days we're going home. And we'll have forgotten all the suffering that we've gone through down here. So it's a different kind of peace. And then the next thing I want you to see is that he's, he's speaking here. Look in, in, in number three in your notes there. The focus, okay, the focus of this, he's saying, I'm, I'm praying that it would be multiplied. Now, now, how many of you know that when you want to come to a higher number faster, what you want to do instead of adding is to multiply? Do you get it? It's a term that means to multiply quickly. And, and do you notice what he's saying to him? By the way, what a loving what a loving apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ Peter was to say to them, because he had his own things going on, he had his own life unfolding. He knew he was at the end of his life, especially the second letter, and he's going to say it a little bit further along in, in the letter, and he knows his life is but, but he is concerned for the people of God, and his desire is, I want grace to be multiplied, and I want peace to be multiplied in your life. Let me ask you a question. How often do you think about the grace and peace being multiplied in people outside uh, of your circle of influence. You know, the people of God, your family all over the world. Like, like, for instance, when's the last time you thought about the grace and peace of your family over in Ethiopia? You know, and what they're going through and things they're facing all around the world. And it's, I love the fact that Peter's, he's got his own stuff going on, but, but by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, here's what I'm desiring for your life, that grace and peace wouldn't just be added to, y'all help me, but it would be, I want you to have an abundance of grace and now let's look at the focus. The focus is, number three in your notes there, the focus is, the focus is not uh, earning grace and peace. Uh, the focus is not uh, purchasing grace and peace, but the focus is, y'all help me, knowing God. That's the focus. The focus is knowing God. And by knowing God, and I'm going to tell you that word, I'm going to remind you of that word here in just a minute. The focus is knowing God and the byproduct. Now, do you all know, know what that word means? The byproduct. In other words, what's produced by the knowing? Um, the byproduct, okay? Uh, the byproduct of knowing uh, is, look in your notes here in number three, the focus is knowing God and the byproduct is multiplied grace and peace. So the focus of the whole, what he's telling them to do is to get to know God better. And if you'll get to know God better, can, can anybody help me out? Your grace and your peace will, look at y'all, you can be preaching this thing. Your grace and your peace will, so, so you're telling me that um, if I just go serve with all my time and I go find every ministry of the church and do all of it and everywhere I can serve, sign up and serve, then I'm going to have grace and peace. No, that's the opposite of what will happen. And some of you, it is very clear in your life that you're lacking in relationship and you're heavy in service. And because of that, your grace and your peace are very low. Now, don't look at me like that. That's a loving statement. I'm helping you to see that serving is not where your grace and peace will be multiplied, but is, in fact, help me out, knowing God. Let's read it, okay? Put your eyes on that verse with me, okay? Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and Jesus. How is my grace and peace going to be multiplied? By getting to know God and Jesus better. That word, epignosis, is a word, is a root, the root of that word, knowing God, is that word I love to talk about all the time, gnosko. And you remember the, that, that word means to recognize somebody because you have experience with them, right? Do you know people that you hear their voice, and the moment you hear their voice, you know who it is? You don't have to see them. Um, you can, you can, I can see Tina across the field, I can see, and I know immediately it's her. You know why? Because I know her by experience. We've been through some things together. We've cried. We've laughed. We've, we've done all kinds of things together. So I, I don't have a hard time recognizing her. Now, some of us will have a hard time. We don't know each other very well. We might see somebody and say, that looks like that. Maybe, maybe I'm not sure. Let me, let me go over. 
but not with the ones that we know very well. You with me? You'll, you hardly ever mistake. Uh, if you look at somebody and pay attention, you're not going to mistake somebody else for your husband, for your wife, for your, ch- for your child. Why? Because you know them by experience. You spend time with them. And so here's what he's saying that our great, here's what he's telling them, their grace and their peace is going to be multiplied as they get to know God better. Hey, somebody's been telling you that for a long time. Don't try harder. Draw near. Draw near. Get to know him better. And then your grace and peace. See, some of us are working so hard, and all we do is pray for our peace. Oh, God, give me peace. Give me peace. Oh, God, give me grace. Give me grace. And what he's saying to us tonight, you just get to know me better, and I'll take care of that. You spend time with me, and I'll take care of that. And so let's, let me move on if I can. I want to just remind you that grace and peace are multiplied by getting to know God better, all right? And so let me move on if I can to number two. And there are only three. Y'all are listening fast. We may get out there and get to play on them water slides yet. Number two. No, they're for little kids. We can't, all right? Number two. Some of y'all are getting a little excited there. All right, so number one, grace and peace are multiplied in the knowledge of God and Jesus. How, if I was to ask you tonight after you've heard what you've heard, if I was to say to you, Candace, how can your grace and peace be multiplied? You'd say... By getting to know God better. Just by getting to know God better. If I was to ask any of y'all, how is that going to be multiplied? How is your grace and peace going to be multiplied? If I was to ask uh, you, uh, Brandon, what would you say? Getting to know God better, right? And so tonight when you leave here, when you find somebody tomorrow who's in need of grace or in need of peace, you're going to be able to tell them they don't have to take 12 steps to get there. Uh, They can simply, help me, get to know God better. And you'll be able to tell them how. Spend some time in his word, meeting with him, talking to him, okay? Roman number two, write this in your notes. The knowledge of God has powerfully given us all that we need. All that we need, all right? So let's read it, if you will, okay? Verse number three. Y'all there? Somebody amen? Boy, we're sort of dragging tonight, aren't we? All right, here we go. Two, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And number three, verse number three, as his divine power has given us, help me somebody, all things, certain things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, I want to talk, talk for a minute about the word divine. Number one in this list of three, you'll find the power is, write this in the blank, divine. The power is divine. You know what the word divine means? It means of God. Uh, the, the, the word in the Greek is theo. theo. It's a, it's a, the root is theo, which is God, all right? Now, my question for you is this. Have you ever used that, that term? Divine for, you ready, for homemade ice cream? Anybody but me? Y'all making me feel lonely. Am I the only one? Oh, me and Bubba. Bubba, you have? I have done that. Okay, me and Becky back there. And so at least three of us have. The rest of y'all, I know y'all never use words improperly. Y'all use them right. And as I was thinking about that word, when I looked at it, what it translates from the, from the Greek to the English, I'm thinking, man, I have misused that word a little bit because uh, truthfully, though brownies may be really, really good, they're not like God. They are not God. And so divine. I have said, God, help me to really use this word properly. So he says that this, this power that's, that's done something in our lives, it is of God. It's divine. Okay, do you write that as number one? Uh, so the power is, y'all help me, divine. Number two, the divine power has done something. The divine power, and I want you to write this word in your, in your, in your outline there, gave all we need for life. Would you write that in? The divine power gave all we need for life. Y'all looked at this outline. You thought, man, we'll never fill all these blanks in. And look at you. You're almost done. The divine power has gave us all we need for life. Listen to what he says. As his divine power has given, past tense, has given to us all things that pertain to life. Here's what I want you to think about. The word for life there is the word zoe. And it means life abundant. It's a reference to eternal life. And so what things did God give, okay, here's the question, what things did God give that I would have, that you would have, that we could have eternal life, life abundant, real life? What did he give? He gave his son. He gave us the Holy Spirit when we were born again. He gave us the word of God to nourish us, that our roots would go down deep into Christ and be nourished by his word. And so he gave us one of the great resources that God gave us, that is the resource of the church. Y'all remember, y'all, those ought to just come off your tongue so easy because you hear me say them so much. The three great resources of God in this life are, right, the spirit, 
the church and the word. Christ he gave for us to buy us salvation. So I want you to put this together. He says very plainly, divine power has given us everything that we need for eternal life. There's nothing you and I can add to the equation. We can't be good enough. We can't earn good enough. We can't go to church enough. Uh, Listen, it's amazing to me how easy you and I can slide into the burden, the the, the weight down that I've got to do this, this, and this in order to uh, consider myself saved. Y'all tracking with me? I've got to do this, and I've got to serve, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do. And what what a burdensome mentality to think that I've got to do this and this and this. Listen to me. You can't do one more thing to make God love you more than he already has loved you for all eternity. In your darkest hour, in your greatest failure, he loved you as much as he loves you today. Isn't that wonderful? So you can't add to that. You can't take away from that. And that's what he's saying to them, that that God is the one, the power of God, the divine power of God has given us everything we need for life, life. All right, let me move on. And number three in your notes, write this down. The divine power gave all we need for, oh, I love this word, godliness. Godliness. Uh, Godliness. In other words, the qualities and characters of God. Let me me put it this way. Uh, Someone said godliness, a good way to explain that is a, a life that God would approve of. That's a good way to put it, isn't it? A life that God would approve of. It's a godly lifestyle. It's a godlike lifestyle. It's a God-approved lifestyle. Now, my question for you is this. What would your coworkers say about you? And what would, here's a question I would just ask you of yourself. Would you consider yourself to be, and this is not for anybody to answer around you. This is just for you. Would you consider yourself to be a godly man? Ma'am, would you consider yourself, I mean, really, if you had to consider your life, looking at it and how you live it, would you consider yourself to be a godly lady? Or if you're here in this room and you're a young person, would you consider yourself to be a godly young adult or a godly teenager or a godlike? You know, in other words, the character and the quality and the nature of God would be displayed in how you live. And and I've heard it said this way before. We may have one one determination, right? But then then if you really want to know, ask your spouse, ask your husband, ask your wife. But listen, before you do, be, be prayed up. You with me? Because if, if they love you and they'll tell you the truth, uh, then, then you have to be ready for that. And here's what I want you to see. Being godly or not being godly, I need to, I need to clarify here, does not earn your salvation. It, you say, well, yeah, I've been really godly, so I know I'm going to heaven. No, 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 that's, not the, that's the wrong order. Uh, it is I'm born again and saved, and now, and now spending time with him is naturally, supernaturally producing the qualities of God in my life. If you have to run out of here and go try to do it, it's, it's, it's because you and I have not been meeting with him. Does that, does that make sense to you? So I'm not telling you, this is not, the, this is not what Peter's saying to them. Hey, go make a list of God's qualities and then go do it. That's not it. That's like hanging ornaments on a Christmas tree. Anybody with me? It's like to take lemons or, or strawberries and hanging them on the tree. That doesn't make it a lemon tree or a strawberry tree. It doesn't. You can't manufacture it. But if you'll, the whole point of what he's saying is if you'll get to know him better. If you'll spend time getting to know him, if you'll focus your study time, your quiet time, whatever you call it, if you'll focus that not just on you and what needs to change in you. You know, a lot of times we come to the Word and all we do, we sit in, all right, let me read what all needs to change in me. No, no, no. You look at it like this. Oh, I want to meet with Jesus this morning. Lord, as I spend time in your Word, show me who you are. And as I get to know you better, make me like you. Wow. It's that simple. We make it hard, don't we? Don't we complicate it? Well, we do all this intrinsic study and things that we do, but it's really that simple. So the divine power gave all that we need. The divine power gave all that we need for godliness, that our lives would look like him, all right? Number three in your notes, Roman number three, the promises of God make us more like, I love this, Jesus. More like Jesus. So verse three, as his divine power has given to us all things, he's not held anything back. That pertain to two specific things, life and that life eternal, godliness, through the knowledge, and again, and he tells them again, how does it come? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It doesn't come by trying hard. It comes by getting to know him better. That word is again, epignosis, which is a word that means to know by experience, to notice, to understand, to, to, uh, to be able to retal- uh, recall from memory who that person, oh, I know him because I have spent time with him. Now, let me move on and conclude, if I can, in verse number four. All right, can we smile at each other one time? Y'all are looking looking more down tonight, all right? Verse number four. Here we go. By which have been given to us. I want you to pay attention to all of the extra words that the Holy Spirit puts on Peter's heart to describe these promises, okay? 
So as we're reading, we're reading the subject that we're going to modify, we're going we're to highlight is, is promises. But I want you to, in your mind right now, take note of all the descriptive words that the Holy Spirit pins through Peter to describe the promises. Y'all ready? Somebody, you're reading ahead. What are they? Exceedingly great. Now, let me ask you something. You ever use that in your everyday terminology? Boy, this, uh, this cake is exceedingly great. Huh? Um, what else? Precious. Now, either one of those would, would, would be, they're heavy words. They're weighty words. Um, precious meaning so very valuable. And, and exceed, so the word exceedingly great, the word great is, is the root, uh, the Greek root is mega, which is where we get the word mega now. Huge, tremendous. But he didn't, he said exceedingly mega, if you will. And so he's talking now about God's promises are so magnificent. Now, if you're in your notes here, I want you to write this down, okay? The promises of God make us more like Jesus. Now, number one in here, I want you to see this. The promises of God are exceedingly, you, you just read it. They're exceedingly great, and they are precious. I want you to, I want you to think tonight about something. Uh, first of all, where do we find the promises of God? Aesop's Fables, Farmer's Almanac, Watchtower, Heavens know all that's extra literature that man wrote. Surely not. We can find it only in the inspired word of the living God. And that's where we find the recorded promises of God's word. Now, here's a question for you. If today I was to come sit down beside you without the microphone, so take a deep breath, and I just sat down by you and I said, uh, maybe I'm going to look around and I'll say, uh, y'all love when I just call names. I sat down with Miss Linda back there, and I said, Miss Linda, give me, give me off the top of your head 15 of the promises of God. Or if I said, Curtis, real quick, off the top of your head, give me 20 of the greatest promises of God. Real quick, give them to me. If I was to call your name, come sit by you. Hey, give me, give me, uh, give me 10 promises of God. Quick, right now, give them to me. 10 promises. We'd be in a mess, wouldn't we? Y'all, y'all with me? I said, we, don't look at me like that. Y'all like, you're going to call my name. He didn't call my name. Put your name in the blank. And if I just came and sat down and said, give me quick, real quick, real quick. There, give me 10 right now, 10 promises to God. We'd be like, eh. Um, <laughs> and so would you agree with me then uh, that we should, in fact, store in our heart and mind promises that God gave us? Why? Because they're precious and exceedingly great. If the Holy Spirit assigns such words to the promises of God in Peter's explanation, then you and I should assign that same kind of value in our hearts. Now, if I ask you about something that's important to you, what are some things that you and I are, are very important to us? How many of you here say fishing is important to you? Now, look, y'all don't get super spiritual on me and check out and give me Sunday school answers, all right? Okay? Let's be real people in here tonight. Can we do that? We're ugly honest, not mean to each other. We're honest about where we are. How many of you say that fishing is important to you? Raise your hand if fishing is important. You like to fish. Some of you are like, I'm going to raise my hand. I'll see if anybody else does. Don't be like that. Fishing is important. I could probably ask you something about fishing, and you could give me 10 facts. Hey, what sort of lure do you use for this? Or what, what do you fish for catfish with? What kind of bait do you use? And you'd probably know it. Well, we got some visitors coming in tonight. They must have some action out there in the kids' buildings. All right. All right, so as we continue on, let me just cause you to think about that for a minute. Okay? Y'all thinking with me? What's something else that might be important to you? Uh, how, somebody here that might, that might like, um, let me just, for instance, uh, uh, Black Friday shopping. How many of you like to do that? It doesn't make you wrong. Listen, we're not being, okay, good, good. If I was to ask you, give me, give me like five hints, tips for Black Friday shopping. Boy, you could, you could tell me, do this, do this, do this, do this. But if I ask you, give me ten promises of God. You see what I'm talking about? Uh, here's the point I'm getting at. Uh, we could all, myself included, assign much more value to the promises of God than we do. Do, do you agree with me on that? And, and if we do, here's what I want you to understand. If we do and, and when we do, we benefit from it. Does that make sense to you? In other words, if, I'm, if, it, if it's so important to me that I'm able to study and I'm memorizing them and I'm putting them in my heart, and what happens is when the enemy comes to lie, because that's what we said he did in John 10, Remember? The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. We, we said it like this. The enemy's purpose, he comes into our life to decrease what's truly good. What is truly good? Everything God's promised me and you. 
Everything he's promised us is good. You with me on that? Everything he promised is good. And so the enemy is constantly whispering to us and putting circumstances and situations in front of us that lie against the promises of God. And you and I don't even know them, and so we can't defend ourselves. And so we start believing the lie. And when we trade the truth for a lie, friend, we get depressed, we get anxious, we get angry, we get bitter, we get overwhelmed by life, we feel like quitting, we don't know where to go, we have no roots down deep into the promises. Of, I'm telling you, you and I would do well to assign great weight to the exceeding great and precious promises of God. Y'all with me? Who would benefit from it? You and I would, okay? So when you notice, the promises of God are exceedingly great and precious. Quick show of hands. How many of you say that we could assign more weight than we do to the promises of God? Okay, me too. I raised my hand first. So God help us to do that. Number two in your notes, and we're almost finished. Can y'all believe that? Number two, under number three, the promises of God make us more like Jesus. The promises of God are exceedingly great and precious. Now watch this. Number two, the promises of God provide a new nature. They provide a new nature. Now, I'm going to flesh this out. This is a little bit technical, but have y'all got enough left in you? It's the fourth quarter, and I'm telling you, we're about to win this thing, but I need you for just a few. Can you got enough to give me just a few more? Okay, give me, give me a few more minutes. Let me flesh this out, okay? So here's what he says. Read with me in verse number four, by which he's given to us, help me, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, that through these, you may be partakers of divine nature. Now, a partaker of something is somebody who shares in it. For some reason, I think about, and I don't know what it is, but I think about a chocolate pie. And uh, I, well, and I'll just, I'll just, well, there was one particular time when we were feeding a family after a funeral. You know, we do this, a great ministry we have here. And my, I love chocolate pie, but please don't make me a chocolate pie because I'm doing without chocolate pie. And so, but th- at this particular time, I wasn't. And I remember I couldn't wait to get some chocolate pie, and I was going to be a partaker. Does that make sense? Part to, to take and share in. But what happened, I waited too long. And so it was gone, and I was not able to partake. Uh, in, now, do you, do you, can you make a connection here? We are partakers. We have taken and partaken and shared in the divine. Now, I want you to get this, the divine nature. Now, what does divine mean? Of God. So you see the connection back to godliness? We're able to partake in the divine nature. Now, uh, let me ask you a question. Where can you and I go, where can we go to find out what the divine nature looks like in human form? How, how, how can you and I know what God, what, what the nature of God looks like in flesh and, and, and living down here? Uh, he has a name. His name is Jesus. And so we don't have to have our vision clouded. We don't have to be confused about what is the, man, what's God like? Well, look to Jesus. How would God, how would he operate? Well, look to Jesus. You'll find exactly how, specifically how. And so we have this divine nature wrapped in flesh so we can look at how he dealt with people who had sinned and people who were self-righteous and how he dealt with all kinds of stuff. And we see that. But what I want you to understand is that he lived a perfect sinless life. And what he's, I want you to see is that he loved the unlovable. Somebody say amen if you know that about Jesus. And that one of those was me. And one of those is you. And so now, let me just cause you to think for a second. All right, the promises of God, listen to what he says, by the precious, exceedingly great and precious promises of God, that through these promises, uh, we may be partakers of the divine nature. I want you to think for just a minute about some of the promises that Jesus made. Did I put those on the bottom of your outline? I did. Boy, I'm spoiling you guys. That's why y'all got it on cruise control out there. And so here we go. What are some of the promises that he made? He promised forgiveness for the sinful. Didn't he promise that? Uh, and what else did he promise? Rest for the weary. He, he promised comfort for the sad, hope to the dying, life to the dead. Come on, somebody. He promised to die, and then he did it. He promised to resurrect. Come on, somebody. And then he did it. He promised to come back, and he's promised to send his Holy Spirit to those who confessed him as Lord, and he did it, and he's doing it. And so through those promises, the death, the burial, the resurrection, uh, Jesus now gives us the divine nature living inside of me and you. So then, you ready for this? We ought to live like it. We ought to live like it. We ought to hate what God hates. We ought to love what God loves. That's the divine nature. We ought to love the unlovable. We ought to set the precedents for excellent holy living. 
We ought not promote that as the way to know God. We ought not look down on people because Christ is doing it in us. We ought to walk in humility. We ought to love people, find them where they are. We ought to be on this mission constantly looking for those who are in need of the light in the darkness. Our focus ought not be on our, our little daily routine here on earth and miss out on the people that God's placed there at our workplace and uh, as customers and clients and, and, and students and, and all the big picture of what's going on. We ought to be partakers of the divine nature, which means... I need Jesus to continue to do a great work on me. And I want to turn the mirror on you, okay? Because I started with me. You need Jesus to continue doing a great work on you. And that's all right, amen? He is. And here's what I want to tell you. I, I sometimes feel a little bit foolish when I pray and say, God, would you keep working on me? You know why? Because he already promised he would. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a promise of God. You ought to, you ought to store that one. And so let me help you to see that these precious promises uh, God has accomplished for me in you salvation and my giving us. Now watch what he goes on to complete here. I'm, I'm finishing right here. The divine nature, we're partakers. By the way, I don't know why uh, we're not more in awe of the fact that you and I can partake of the nature of Christ. That I could act in any way like Jesus is a miracle of miracles. None, nobody else picking that up tonight? You must think too highly of yourself. If you think that it's not a miracle that you could act in any way like Jesus, but you can through the precious promises of God, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the promises recorded in his word, you and I can. As we get to, remember the whole key to this is getting to know him better. So really, we shall not want as long as we focus on getting to know him better, all right? Concluding with this, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is where? In the world. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world that comes through lust. That word lust is sinful desires. Some, for some reason, we always attach lust with sexual things, but it's not. You can lust after chocolate pie, trust me. And you say, well, it's wrong to want chocolate pie. No, no, it's wrong to want the second and third piece. And, uh, and you can. You can. So he, he's saying that now we've partaken of the divine nature, and we've been given, God has now put in us a new nature. Anybody tracking with me? And this new nature is not bound by the sinful desires of the world. And so here's the deal. When I fall to sin, it's not his fault. It's my fault. Are you with me? And what I want you to know is that I have the capacity in any moment to walk out of something without sinning in that, in that temptation. Y'all tracking with me? Uh, now, uh, do, we, do we sin? Yes. Uh, will we sin? Yes. But for too long, brothers and sisters, listen to me right here. We have let that be a crutch to say, well, I know I'm going to be a sinner anyway, and so we don't focus at all on how we live our lives. And I would say that, let me introduce this to you. Let me just kind of present this to you. I would say that that is not close to the divine nature of Jesus. Would you all say that? Let me just, we're just talking together. Does it make sense to you that the divine nature of Jesus would get at me and just say, it really doesn't matter how you treat people? No. Do you think the divine, if I'm partaking of the divine nature, do you think then I would be greedy? No. Do you think then that I would be self-righteous and, and condemning others around me? No, no. So, key to it all tonight is simply that we need to get to know him better so that he can transform us more into the image of, who, say his name with me, Jesus. Let me ask you to bow with me. Will you bow your head with me tonight? I know I'm surprised as you are that we're out of time. I really am. I feel like we could stay a little bit longer, but we're going to go ahead and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts how we should respond to what we've heard. Would you ask the Lord tonight, right where you're seated, Lord, how am I supposed to respond to what it is that I've heard? What do I need to do? My question for you tonight is, is your grace where it needs to be? Would you, would you say it like this? Sometimes in my life, I, I say it like this. My grace meter gets a little low. And I don't mean like receiving. I mean, I mean giving. And is anybody out there? And when my grace meter giving gets low, then what I've, I've not realized the grace that I'm getting continually. So maybe tonight God would just remind me and you, we sure are continually dependent upon His grace. And may it be multiplied in my life. And let me ask you this. Where's your peace? 
The Old Testament, they say it like, they, if he was speaking Old Testament English, <laughs> how's your shalom? Shalom is that word in the Hebrew for peace on the soul level. How you doing right there? You been anxious lately? Kind of edgy, frustrated, angry? You, you know, God's desire, he shared it through Peter, was that grace and peace would be you remember the word? Multiplied. That's his desire for you. But it'll only come, it'll only come through the knowledge of him. Getting to know him better. And maybe you're here tonight, you've never invited Jesus to be Lord, and so you can't know him, he's on the outside. And Tonight you feel the spirit drawing, and if tonight you would believe that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead, and Tonight you felt the Spirit nudging, pulling your heart, saying to you, I want you to be in my family. He's been hot on your heels. Tonight, if you'd stop and be found by him, you'd raise the white flag in your heart and say, I surrender. I don't want to be the boss of my life anymore. I agree with you, God, that Jesus is Lord. I confess to you, he's Lord above all. He'll save you tonight. Put a new nature in you. Begin a work. Start changing you little by little from the inside out. Forgive all your sin. Give you a home in heaven. Give you purpose for your time here on earth. You can do that right where you're seated. Driving down the road, you could do that. Right there in your house, at your work, wherever you find yourself tonight, you could do business with God because of Jesus. But maybe it is that you're here and and truthfully, you'd say this, if I ask you this question. How many in the room would say that you really don't spend much time, you don't spend as much time as you need to getting to know God? Would anybody be honest enough just to raise your hand up? Say, you know, I spend a lot of time doing a lot of things, but I don't spend enough time getting to know God. I've got my hand raised. And, and so what if tonight we just, that was our humble cry. Lord, help me want to. Because want to is powerful. What you want to do, you will do. So a simple prayer would be something like this. God, help me to want to. Help me to want to spend time with you. Nobody ought to have to beg you or make you feel bad if you hadn't spent time with him. If you're hearing this right now and he's pricking your heart, and don't bring, build a callus up and just keep doing the same thing over and over. Just ask him tonight. God, give me the want to. Please give me the want to. Cry out to him. Some of our excuses are, well, I don't understand the word or this or that. Just ask him, God, give me the want to to meet with you and get to know you better. And so now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take this time of response. And, Lord, whatever you want to do tonight, that you would do that. And God, if there's lost people saved, they'd come and we'd celebrate with them. If there's those that have walked away that need to return home to Jesus, that, Lord, they'd do that. God, if there are people here tonight who say, you know what, I know for beyond the shadow of a doubt I'm supposed to be part of this gathering and your spirit is calling them, then I pray they would come tonight and say, tonight I want to make this, I want to make this thing official. I want to be part of this gathering. God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, have freedom. Please, God, bind the enemy of our flesh and of Satan and do what you want to do. I pray it now in Jesus' name. And the people of God said together, amen.